calling, love, experience, joy, faith, passion, experience. It's time to take the jump and go all in. It's time to go all in and discover your purpose. It's time to go all in and follow the call God has placed upon your life. It's time to go all in on the amazing things that God is doing right here and right now. It's time to go all in and invite others to join and experience God in His undying love. So So what's stopping you? Go all in. Now, we need to be all in. And as we were, as a staff, were praying and preparing for this message series, one of the things that we realized was that a couple of years ago, two or even three years ago, when we were talking about the 2020 vision in its early stages, we did say that before the end of 2020, in order to accomplish our goals, we will need to go to two services. And we mentioned things like that, and we did have a, some messages that, were, that kind of were to like prod us all in that direction. And there were two of them in particular that we felt, me and some of the staff as we talked, felt that like I should go into the old closet of messages and pull them out and dust them off and tweak them a little bit and share them again. And this is one of them. So if you've been here a few years, you will have heard this or me speak on this message before, although it's, it's slightly updated and tweaked now for this. And that's not because I'm being lazy and couldn't be bothered preparing a message this week. It was because it, it just seemed so apt. In fact, it took me ages to find it. It was on my old computer and I had to go and find it in order to do that. And so I want to share a message with you today, but I want to start with a verse of Scripture, and it's from the book of Acts. It says this, now when David, talking about King David, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors. See, when I'm lying on my deathbed, whenever that is, I hope it's not for a long time yet, but whenever that day comes, and I know that I am about to die, that my time on earth is up, I don't want to be lying there thinking, now, did I do the things that God sent me to this world to do? Did I serve God's purposes? Or did I serve my purposes? Knowing that after death, the next person I'm going to meet is going to ask me to give an account for what I did with my life, I hope when I am lying on my deathbed that I can say to myself, I'm ready to go. I poured it all out. I didn't live for my selfish self, but I have done my best to serve God's purposes Not God's purposes for a previous generation, you know. Well, I like the way the old churches were, you know. Do you know, again, I'm going to use my daughter again. I didn't ask her any of this. But once years ago, she invited up, when she was at school, she invited a friend from school to come to church with her. And um, she came for the first time. And the friend didn't go to church. 
her only experience of church had been, I think, a Catholic church or some kind of traditional church. But anyway, she came, and my daughter thought that her friend would think, oh, this is really cool, you know. But she had the opposite reaction. Churches shouldn't be like that. You know, they should be like churchy and things like that. I have a relative back in the UK who is an atheist. But any time we managed to get him to come to a church service, he would say, yes, that, is, that kind of service is disrespectful. Churches should have wooden pews and hymn books and a pipe. You don't even believe in God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some people think we should serve the purposes of God for a previous generation. But that verse is telling us that we need to find out what God is up to in our generation, and then we need to get all in on that. And David was not some special, special person. He was a normal human being with good points and bad points, with character flaws and and failures and successes, just like everybody else. And very often when we read about the characters in the Bible, we think of them as being some brand of holy people different from us. And what we don't realize is that when God is looking for people who will do something in this generation, he's looking to you. He's saying, you're the man who's going to do it. You're the woman who's going to do it. So I've called this message, you the man. You're the man. Go and slap somebody and tell them you, or if there are women, tell them you're the woman. Go and tell them that. And this idea, you're the man, this idea comes from the story of King David in the Bible. And there are two occasions in King David's life when, one when we, before he was even king, when a prophet of God receives a revelation from God and goes to David and says, you're the man, you're the one. Okay, and so we're going to look at those. And first of all, we're going to look at the first time this ever happened in David's life. So I want us to go to um, 2 Samuel, book of 2 Samuel, we're here, 1 Samuel 16. And it says here, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you go on grieving over Saul? Uh, Saul was the king of Israel, but he had turned his back on God and had delved into the dark hearts and all that kind of stuff. And God had rejected him as king. And so God says to Samuel, who is a prophet, how long will you go on grieving over Saul? I have rejected him as king of Israel. But now, everybody say, but now. Sometimes we get caught up in things we're disappointed with. What's God ever done for me? You know, like I was saying. We get caught up in things we're disappointed in. And we don't realize that now is the time. Right here and right now is the time that God would be, wants to begin a new work in your life. He said, but now get some olive oil and go to Bethlehem. What you need to understand was in biblical times, olive oil was used. I mean, it was the main oil that they used, but they also used it um, in spiritual ceremonies 
as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. When they would pour oil on somebody or anoint them with oil, it was a symbol that God was anointing that person with his Holy Spirit, with his presence. So take olive oil and go to a man named Jesse because I have chosen one of his sons to be king. How can I do that, Samuel asked. If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. But the Lord answered, take a calf with you. You know, they, they would do animal sacrifices in those days and say that you are there, you're, you're going to the, the altar there to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and invite all his sons as well. I will tell you what to do. You will anoint as king the man I tell you to. Now, this is really interesting because God has chosen somebody here. He has a chosen person. Let's read on. So, Samuel did what the Lord told him and went to Bethlehem, um, where the city leaders came trembling to meet him and asked, is this a peaceful visit seer? A seer is another word for a prophet. They were a bit afraid that the prophet had come to reveal all of their sins or something like that. The Lord has told me, you have been a naughty boy this way. That was what they're panicking about. <laughs> um, is this a peaceful visit, seer? Yes, he answered. I have come to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me. He also told Jesse to, um, to bring his sons and purify themselves, and he invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw one of Jesse's sons. Now look at this, e Eliab, and he, he said to himself, this man standing here in the Lord's presence, he's surely the man the Lord has chosen. Now why did he think that? Let's read on and see. He's surely the one. But the Lord said, pay no attention to how tall and handsome he is. Actually, as we read through this story, you're going to find out that they were really caught up with people's appearance in this story. Pay no attention to how tall or handsome he is. I have rejected him because I do not judge as people judge they look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Today in this room, God sees into the hearts of every single one of us. Your life might look nice and perfect, like the perfect Christian on the outside, but God knows what your heart's like. Your life might look like a total disaster on the outside, but God knows that your heart is after him and you just long for God to move in, in your life and make it into what he intends it to be. So God looks at the heart. Then Jesse called his son Abinadab and brought him to Samuel, but Samuel said, no, the Lord hasn't chosen him either. Then Jesse brought Shammah, no, the Lord hasn't chosen him either, Samuel said. In this way, Jesse brought seven of his sons to Samuel, and Samuel said, no, the Lord hasn't chosen any of them. So let's read on. It says this, then he asked, do you have any more sons? I mean, you've got seven, but I mean, are there any more? 
And Jesse answered, there is still the youngest, but he is out taking care of the sheep. Just remember that. Why was he not here? Because he's the youngest, okay? He was, there is still the youngest, but he's out taking care of the sheep. Tell him to come here, Samuel said. We won't offer the sacrifice until he comes. So Jesse sent for for him, listen to him. He was handsome, a handsome, healthy young man, and his eyes sparkled. When I read that in the Bible, I knew the Lord had chosen me also. I just... <laughs> and the Lord said to Samuel, you the man, this is the man, this is the chosen one, this is the one I am putting my hand upon, this is the one I've got a job to do, this is the man, anoint him. Samuel took the olive oil and anointed David in front of his brothers, and immediately the Spirit of the Lord took control of David and was with him from that day. You know, I just think it is interesting that he was still out in the field because he was the youngest one. Sometimes, I mean, like he was, we reckon he could have been 13 or 14 about this time. Sometimes people overlook what God is doing in the lives of young people. And do you know that when a child puts their faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within them, they don't, it's, it's not baby Jesus that comes into their heart. And they don't get the junior Holy Spirit, Casper, the friendly, there's a Holy Ghost and there's Casper the Ghost. You know, the kids don't get, you know, I am accepting Christ into my life. Well, I'm just a little kid, so I'm just accepting baby Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's not like that. When a child puts their faith in Jesus Christ, they are just as saved as you are. They've got the same Holy Spirit that you've got. God looks at people's hearts and every heart that is hungry, no matter how young or how old, he will come and fill and anoint and transform their lives. To us here at Gateway, our Gateway Kids ministry is just as important as what we do here in the auditorium with the adults. I mean, that is why we did a number of things. For instance, we have a nursing mother's room with video screens and monitors and speakers and all that where they can still enjoy the service and take their kids out. We have got nursery and preschool rooms and so on and our elementary room. And a number of months ago, we talked about our elementary room and how it was in real need of being renovated because people were coming in here and we had done this place up and got lighting in and screens and everything else and we had enhanced this place. But then the kids were going out to their elementary room and having a totally different experience than we were having. And so... At Vision Sunday, we spread the vision, we raised the funds. I think I've got a picture of the stage. There's a stage in classroom two. That's just the stage. 
with their little mon- videos up there and the flooring's been done. And then up at the back of the room, they've got their own little media table with the sound system and the computer and everything to work everything. After the service today, those doors will be opening. And I encourage you to go right through there and have a look in our elementary room and see what we've done in there because God loves the children just as much as he loves the adults. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. We're not babysitting kids. We're bringing them to Jesus, okay? And so I really encourage you to go and have a look at that because um, we really... I've lost my place, sorry. We really uh, value and want to invest in our children in this church. But Jesse didn't. A little kid just go off with the sheep. The adults are doing the important church stuff over here. Now, put up my next slide, please. My next one. No one believed in David at first. Nobody believed in him. Probably, it doesn't say, but I'm guessing probably not even himself, because he had no idea what was going on. You know, he's out in the field, and then he gets shouted, what's going on? I don't even understand what's going on. What's this gathering about? I'm anointed by the Spirit. I'm the king. (laughs) So nobody believed in him at first because of his age, because of the, the thought as inexperience and so on. But he was This whole time that nobody was believing in him, he was being faithful in little tasks, like looking after the sheep. And while he was being faithful in little tasks, he was given the opportunity to prove himself and to put his trust in God. Do you remember later on in the story when uh, the Philistine army has invaded Israel and they said, our chief warriors, a guy called Goliath, he will take on any warrior from, and it will be man-to-man combat, and whoever wins, the whole army will win. And David says, I'll go and do it. And everybody says, you're too young, what are you talking about? And his brothers say, you're full of pride, you're arrogant. Sometimes we don't rise up and become the people that we're called to be because we're scared of what other people might think about us. Well, I learned years ago that if you worry about what other people might, like, you don't deliberately go and offend people, but if you worry about what other people might think about you, you will never do anything. You will be paralyzed by that fear. But David said, listen, God will be with me. One time when I was looking after the sheep, a lion came and attacked the sheep. And with the help of my God, I beat off that lion. And another time a bear came and attacked his sheep, and I killed that bear. So the, the same God who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from this warrior over here. You see, he was proving himself in the little things. Let's read on. Next, next slide, please. The Matrix. How many of, now I remember, I remember when the Matrix came out and I remember lots of churches used it as an illustration but now it's years old. So if you don't know what the matrix is, ask your parents, they saw it, okay? (laughs) You might remember in the matrix, everybody thinks this guy, Neo, is the one. 
somebody called the one, the chosen one, the one that was going to accomplish the things that they had been waiting for. But Neil doesn't believe he's the one. He is riddled with insecurities. So they take him to this woman called the oracle. If we made it Christian, we would call her a prophetess, okay, like Samuel. So they go to the oracle, and as he walks in her kitchen, because she's in the kitchen, um, as he walk, there's a sign above the door that says, know thyself. Know yourself. But he doesn't know himself. He's so insecure. And he goes in and he asks the oracle if he's the one. And by the end of the conversation, she tells him that he's not the one. Even though later on in the film, it turns out he is the one. But the reason she has to tell him he's not the one is because he doesn't believe it. And until he believes it, he will never become it. Do you know that God has put gifts and talents and dreams and abilities and desires in your heart and mind that he hasn't put in anyone else's? And you're supposed to live that life. And when it comes to that life, you are the one. God has chosen you for a destiny to do something. But if you don't believe it, you will never become the one. And sometimes we don't believe that God can use us because we are so aware of our own faults, our own failings, and our own sins. And then we think, God couldn't use me. I mean, like, I, I, I'm not a good enough Christian. Like maybe, like, maybe God could use other people because they're more spiritual and more holy, but like, I'm not a good enough. We are so aware of our own faults and failings. The only time we ever hear a voice in our head saying, you're the one, you're the one. Very often it's when you're a bad person. Yeah, you're the one who isn't a good enough Christian. You're the one who committed a sin. You're the one who isn't spiritual enough. We hear the bad things. If only I was a saint like the people in the Bible, like King David. Let's read about King David. Okay, put the next bit up. Let's read about King David. Next passage. He was both a worshiper and a warrior. He loved God. I mean, he was brave, but he also loved God. I love it when you're in church and there's some guy that looks like he just left hell's angels yesterday. You know? And he's all covered in muscles and tattoos and scars. And he's crying like a baby because he's worshiping God. I love to, real men love Jesus. Do you know that? And they're not embarrassed. He remained faithful to God and his team, even throughout his difficulties. And he was compassionate to others during his successes. Even Saul, who was trying to kill him, he never tried to kill him. He helped other people. Anyway, let's read on and see about, that's all the good stuff, but what about his mistakes? Once he became king, look at this. Famous story. The following spring... At the time of the year when kings usually go to war. Now that sounds a strange thing to us. But what you need to understand was there was lots of different warring nations, little nations. And after the winter, when the spring came, 
The little nations who hadn't prepared enough food and supplies to last them through the winter now had nothing, so they would, they would make a raiding band and they would go and raid some other territory. So kings had to be ready to go to war during the spring to defend their people and to defend their possessions. So it's a time when the, when the kings usually go to war. David sent out Joab, who was like his general, with the officers and with the Israelite army. They defeated the Ammonites, and they besieged the city of Rabbah. Now look at this. But David himself stayed in Jerusalem. Now we are used to that. We are used to politicians sending soldiers out to die, but the politician stays at home. But in the old days, kings were supposed to go out with their people. He stayed at home. One day late in the afternoon, David got up from his nap and went to the palace roof. As he walked around there, he saw a woman taking a bath in her house. David was a bit of a peeping Tom here, right? Let's read on. She, you see how they're all caught up with looks? Everybody's either handsome or beautiful or their eyes are sparkling, right? She was very beautiful. So he sent a messenger to find out who she was and learned that she was Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David sent messengers to get her, and they brought her to him, and he made love to her. Then she went back home. Afterwards, she discovered that she was pregnant and sent a message to David to tell him. Now, David is in a panic at this point because Uriah has been out with the army fighting for him. He hasn't been getting his wife pregnant. So Uriah's going to know there's something amiss. So David goes into this whole conspiracy. To cut a long story short, he, he arranges for Uriah to be put in a part of the battlefield where the enemy will kill him just to get him out the road. So that's what he does. And then he marries Bathsheba. But then another prophet, not Samuel, but Nathan the prophet comes to him. Let's read on the next passage. Then the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to David. Nathan went to him and said, There were two men who lived in the same town. One was rich and the other poor. The rich man had many cattle and sheep, while the poor man only had one lamb, which he had bought. He took care of it, and it grew up in his home with his children. It was like his little pet in this story. Um, He would feed feed it some of his own food, let it drink from his cup, and hold it in his lap, a little lap dog. The lamb was like a daughter to him. Now let's read on. One day a visitor arrived at the rich man's house. The rich man didn't want to kill one of his own animals to fix a meal for him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared a meal for his guest. David became very angry at the rich man and said, I swear by the living Lord that the man who did this ought to die. For having done such a cruel thing, he must pay back four times as much as he took. And Nathan said, you the man. You're the one that did it. You had a whole bunch of wives in your harem, but no, you went and took his wife. Let's read on. 
Next one. And this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I made you king of Israel and rescued you from Saul. I gave you his kingdom and his wives. I made you king over Israel and Judah. If this had not been enough, I would have given you twice as much. Why then have you disobeyed my commands? Why did you do this evil thing? You had Uriah killed in battle. You let the Ammonites kill him and then you took his wife. Now, I don't know if you've done something bad. Maybe, maybe even as bad as this, I don't know. But let's read on what happened. Did this mean that God said, you're no longer the man? I go and find the new man now because you've blown it. Let's read on and see. Now in every generation, some of your descendants will die a violent death because you have disobeyed me and taken Uriah's wife. I swear to you that I will cause someone from your own family to bring trouble on you. This is the law of sowing and reaping. As you sow, so shall you reap. Thank goodness that through the cross of Jesus Christ, every curse can be broken and we can walk in freedom even from the consequences of our own stupid actions at times. So let's read on. Um, You will see it when your wives are taken from you and given to another man, and he will have intercourse with them in broad daylight. I'm glad the children have already left the service today. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy, what does that sentence mean? I'll tell you at home, little child. Um, You sinned in secret, but I will make this happen in broad daylight for all of Israel to see. I have sinned against the Lord, David said. Nathan replied, the Lord forgives you. Now, he didn't just say the words I've said, because remember at the very beginning, God says, I look on the heart. He must have wholeheartedly been broken and repented over this. And the prophet says, the Lord forgives you. I want you to know something. David sinned. David made mistakes. David screwed things up. David blew it at times. But that didn't mean that God said, I have now unchosen you. He was still chosen, but he was just chosen and sinful. And what does God do when he has someone who's chosen and sinful? He cleans them up. Do you know, my little dog... Pippin, his name is, he's white, and the other day I took him out, and he ran into the river, and he came out, and he was covered in mud, and there was green slime hanging off him and all that. I didn't walk about pretending he wasn't my dog any longer. No, it's not my dog. I don't know whose dog it is, but it's not mine. I picked that little doggy up, and I took him in to the laundry room and I put him in this big sink there and much against his will, I cleaned him (laughs) and though his sins were as scarlet or as green in this case, he became as white as snow once again. When God sees his children messing up and sinning, he doesn't wash his hands of you. He washes you. He washes you clean. He forgives you. He restores you. And he sets you back on the right track again. He sets you on the right track. Okay, let's take this back down to land. <laughs> Put up my, my last verse of the, the 
this one again. The one we started with. No, no, not, yeah, let's skip that. The next one. The last verse, the, the Acts one. There we go. Now, this is what we started with. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he died. People, I want you to know something. God hasn't just, he didn't just send Jesus to save you so that you can get to heaven when you die. Because if that was the case, the quicker you die, the better. Because then you're going to get your reward in heaven. But before you get to heaven, there's something you're supposed to do down here on earth. Serve God's purposes for this generation. And it's not everybody else except you that God has called to serve his purposes. God is saying, you're the man, you're the woman. You're saying, yeah, but I've blown it. I'm not a, I don't pray enough, and I don't come to church often enough, and I, I, you know, I, I'm not a good Christian, and I don't feel spiritual or anything like that. I'm so aware that I am the man who has sinned. I am the woman who is not capable of doing these things. I am the person who has blown it, who's not as gifted or spiritual as other people. I mean, like, I've spent my, my life out in, you know, David spent his life out in the fields wrestling with lions and bears and tigers. What was it? Lions and tigers and bears. That was what he did. I mean, like, he wasn't walking about like a singing songs, hallelujah. I mean, he was out there fighting. He didn't join a monastery. He was a real person. And yet God chooses real people. I want you to know something. When Jesus Christ became your Lord and Savior, it wasn't just to get you into heaven when you died. Jesus said, you did not choose me but I chose you, why? So that you would bear lasting fruit. You, everybody shout, I am chosen. I'm a child of God. He chose me to bear lasting fruit. Now, I want to just finish this by saying this. What is it you're chosen to do? There could be lots of things in your life that God has chosen you to do and gifted you to do and anointed you to do. And we are going to pray in just a moment. We are going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Like David was anointed by Samuel, anointed with oil, and then the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and remained with him for that day, we're going to pray today that the anointing oils of the Holy Spirit of God will come upon us. Some of you will wake you up spiritually. Some of you might resurrect spiritually. But all of us will activate the God-given gifts that we have so that we can put them to good use. And hey, if you don't know what to do with your God-given gifts, let me give you two suggestions, right? Suggestion number one. one. At the end of the service, when Michael gets up to close the service, like I said, those doors will open. You can go out those doors for a change. 
there will be an offering bucket at those doors as well. We haven't forgotten, okay? You can go out those doors and go into classroom, to, whatever it's called now, the elementary room. Go into the elementary room and see what we've done there and talk to some of the helpers that work out in there and get a glimpse of what we are doing for our children here in Gateway. And you know something? There is a chance that while you're in that room seeing what we do, the Holy Spirit might speak to your heart and say, you're the man, you're the woman that I would like to volunteer to come in here once a month and help out. Now, if you manage to get out of the room without God saying that, and you go, that's good. As you continue up the corridor, go to the info desk because on September 15th is fall kickoff and we need all hands on deck that Sunday. And there are lots of opportunities for you to sign up for, for fall kickoff at the info desk. So go in there and see what the Holy Spirit says to you. And then go up to the info desk and see what the Holy Spirit says to you. When you get a little quickening, maybe I could do this. That's it. That is the Lord saying, you're the woman. You're the man. You're the person I want for the job. So let's stand together. Come on, church. We're going to pray. I want, to, I want you to begin to stir up your faith. This is not just a little prayer to close the service. Like, God is a prayer answering God. Okay? So let's believe it. Let's lift our hands up to heaven as if you're receiving the outpouring of the Spirit. And I, just receive it as I pray over you. Father God, I pray for every one of us in this room today. I pray for the anointing, for the power, for the presence of your Holy Spirit to come afresh upon each one of us. Let the Spirit of the Lord touch us afresh. Let the anointing come upon us and break off of us all discouragement, all excuses, all doubts and fears. May we be filled. May we overflow. May we be anointed. May we be empowered. And may all of our God-given gifts that are residing within us, may they wake up. May they be activated. May they begin to flow through our lives. May they begin to bear lasting fruit. And may we be all in what you are doing in our generation. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people shouted.